Hey, everybody, Sherry is back from the writing glitch. I am Sherry Dodderer. I'm an occupational therapist, and I am here today with Maria Chivers. She is the founder of Dyslexia A to Z and the author of Allie Can't Write. I am holding the book up. So those of you who have participated in the companion course will be able to see what the cover of the book looks like. That book is available on Amazon. So wherever your Amazon link is, you will be able to find that. Maria, welcome to the podcast and the special edition to help kids with emotional outbursts. Tell us a little bit about Dyslexia A to Z. You're the founder, but what is it? Where is it? Tell us a little bit more about. We started many years ago as the Swindon Dyslexia Centre. And we had educational psychologists and specialist assessors and teachers. And we taught for about 17 years. But my house got worse and worse. And unfortunately, we had to close it. We had over 100 children attending at that time. Mm -hmm. So it meant we didn't really want to, these people needed help. That's why they were there. My husband couldn't do it because he had to help me. So it made it a little bit difficult because we didn't want to just lose all this knowledge. And about 10 years before, I had registered Dyslexia to Z, put a lot of the information on there, which is what we did. And that's been running for about 19 years or so now, I think. And basically, we were just saying encompass, like a circle, really, that you start here and you go around. And the, with the helping the kids, particularly, the, we don't get a lot of access from children. We get it mainly from parents, carers, teachers, sometimes psychologists, psycho, psychiatrists, got to say the word. And we have, it's quite a big website. We cover dyslexia, dyscalculia, dysgraphia, other learning difficulties. And mainly the information is on there. It's a matter of we, we try to find out what is the problem with the child what we can do about it, not me personally, but how we can point them in the direction. Now, for instance, with dyslexia, we have a great big, lots and lots of pages, and it has tells you what dyslexia is, what the definition is, the symptoms, checklist also. And then if the school isn't doing what they're supposed to be doing, then we can say you need to tell the school this and this. You don't really want to get too firm with the schools, but obviously they do have a legal duty. Therefore, they need to do their part in it, really. The people that you're helping mostly, are they in the United Kingdom or are they all over the world? They are all over the world. But interestingly, when you look at the the stats, it's 54% America and 48, 46% obviously for the UK and Europe. I find that really interesting, actually. Of course, if you're looking at a dysgraphia side, America's far ahead of us with dysgraphia. You know, we like in the dark ages. We have the Cinderella. <laughs> I think everybody's still in the dark ages about the dysgraphia. It still has a lot of misunderstanding surrounding it. And so mm. does dyscalculia. Yes, yeah. But we have psychologists now testing children in the UK for dyscalculia and seem to be happily doing it. But they're still saying, primarily, they're still saying, no, we can't test with dysgraphia. 
And yet, really and truly, you can use the same assessment pack, packages, obviously, which says handwriting, say maths. So it's, I do feel it's like when I'd started years and years ago with my oldest child, he was tested, but, and I knew the chap, and he said to me, yes, he's got dyslexia. The report came through, and it didn't say that. And I said, it says learning difficulties. And he said, we're not allowed to put dyslexia on, Marie. we're still not allowed to do that. We have to just put learning difficulties. And that took about 20 years before that started to change. And we are worse than that with the dyslexia, with dyscraphia. Yeah, there's a lot of misunderstandings out there in the world about what they're allowed to put in the documents and what they're not. And each state here in the United States it has its own little nuances and rules about it. And I'm sure it's the same way in the UK and other areas around the country or around the world. Yeah, I think so, yes. Can you share a little bit about a story with a kid that you have helped? And what are some of those ideas that came to you as you were helping them? So my thinking is you have got a kid in a situation with an emotional situation. How did you discover how to help them to overcome this outburst so that they could move on and still learn? When I looked at the questions, should we ask this or that? The first thing I didn't actually have, so it may not be quite what you want in this particular question, but I was at an airport with my family and a young sort of, I suppose, six, five, six-year-old decided he would have a meltdown. And he was absolutely screaming, screaming, shouting, just throwing herself around. It was so dangerous and everything. And his mother was one of those people that you get that aura off some people. And she just so calmly and talked in quiet, calmly, because basically they've lost control, haven't they? They've got overwhelmed with, especially in airports, with all the lights and everything else and the noise and carts going around. So he was so frightened. And she just kept calmly talking to him. And I was watching very closely. I always had such an interest with children. And I was watching really, very closely. And she's very carefully steering him, I say steering, but steering him to a wall. And when she got to the wall, she turned, again, he didn't realize what she was doing, but she basically turned him around so that his, the front of his body was facing outwards. And she wrapped him like that with her arms around her chest. And she, you could see she was holding him so tight. And it took, I suppose, about another two or three minutes or maybe four minutes. For, but she kept talking to him and talking to him. Do you know, it was almost like watching somebody play a piano. It was so gentle and gradual. And all you could hear was his peers and noises. But from her, it was a totally different aura. And I think that position can be applied to any of us doing any other type of work in the classroom. It is fantastic to know that now that most airports in the UK actually have rooms for people with autism to go in. So they can just simply sit with no noise and all this sensory, those senses cut out. But it, but I did have a child in my, my reception room when I was watching it one day. Parents said he had ADHD. And over the years, ADHD has had a lot of stigma because basically in the UK, every child that's naughty the parents say he's got ADHD, which has caused such a problem because lots of these children do have ADHD. But if you're going to do it so blanket, oh, yes, he's got ADHD, 
Then it waters it down and the public don't actually believe it and they still think they're small children. But um, and over the 17 years or so we had the centre, this child came in for a test to be accessible, something slightly different. And as he was there, his parents were just off, obviously his, his handful, et cetera, yeah, no problem. Went through to the, speak to the teacher and he was, I was just watching him, which is what I used to do, especially with children with ADHD, because it's very interesting what they do when mum and dad are the partners that, you know, aren't there. And I just couldn't believe it. I'm sat there pretending not to watch him sitting in front of me. And all of a sudden, he'd crept on his hands and knees from the front of the cookroom. He'd crept all the way behind me, got behind me where there was a two, two cabinet and then a four cabinet. Mm-hmm. And he climbed on the two and then he climbed on the four. And the first bit he's going, I'm an aeroplane. And I'm thinking, oh, no. And I was just, oh, my gosh. But out of all the years we did test and assess, we, I believe we only had two people there in all of that time. But, again, I just thought, I can't react. I can't react. Mm-hmm. My youngest was an absolute little rat bag, and you couldn't react to him. You had to just try to be calm. And even if you're not calm, try, because they seem to feel your heartbeat, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, those mirror neurons are doing, do it again. And it's the same way when you're with horses, they can feel your tension and you've got to yes. balance that, that tension in your system if you don't want them to react. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. I have a, another interview where we're going to be interviewing a, a person who does equestrian therapy. We were just talking a little bit, but we haven't done the interview yet. And it's going to be very interesting to hear what she has. I think so, yes. That that conversation came to my mind. So looking Mm -hmm. forward to that as Mm -hmm. we uh, uh, line up the interviews and the dates for this this summit. Is there anything in particular that you'd like to share? And we already talked about Ali can write, and we talked about that it's available on Amazon. You said something about a lot of things on your website. Is there anything in particular that you think that the audience here should look for on your website that would be beneficial and helpful to them? If they think their child's got dyslexia or dysgraphia or dysgraphia dyslexia or dyscalculia, there are whole sections. And so they can look for the symptoms first. Never mind what it is. Is it dyslexia? Is it that? Leave that page. Go straight to symptoms page. Have a look at it. See if it fits. If it doesn't, have a look at another page. Because sometimes, I think the figures, I might be wrong, but I think the figures are about 70% of people with dyslexia will have dysgraphia. What might be right on the way around, I'm afraid. Sorry. But they, they cross over so much. They overlap so much. And this is why when we, people are saying how many people got dyslexia, how many people got dysgraphia, et cetera, you, I always say if you look at a, a ball or something and, and then and you've got dyslexia in the middle, you could have just a little bit of dysgraphia coming in this bit, or a little bit of ADHD there, because they do all of that. And I think we've all got a bit of something. I don't think, I don't think actually we know what the actual, I've got absolutely nothing wrong with me at all, so to speak. But if you go there, then you see that page and it says, oh, yes, I've got all of these symptoms, I've got nearly all of them or whatever. Then you can actually look to see how you can get that help. What is your next step? The next step is assessments. We need to assess a child 
or get a psychologist to test them, depending on what type of report you want. And once they say what they need, then we can point them in the direction that they need to go on to get the help. Because what people don't realise is so much help. It's, it's, it's just there, but it's in your face. And I read something on Facebook the other day that a mother said on one of my forums, a mother said, I'm just overwhelmed. I've looked and I'm just overwhelmed and I don't know where to start. So I would say, go there, have a look, see if that's what you think your child may have. And then go through the steps because there's so much. And this business of forcing children to write and things like that, I'm a great believer in writing, absolutely. But to force a child, and we have seen it so often where they, you will sit there and you will write, even if you get hand, hand ache and arm ache and neck ache, you will sit there until you've done it. And the teachers just don't realize that they can't do it sometimes. So do you have a list of psychologists or other professionals that you can refer to? Or how does that working? Like you have you have this a parent that says, Yeah, I'd really like them to be tested. Do you have resources on where to go to be tested? Yes, we do. On there you'll find a mini menu of tests. And then you can come down the page and then there's another link there through to whether you want an education psychologist, whether you want to assess specialist teachers, and you'll get a list of them. There are some big organisations that are also on there which cover most of the country. A lot of people like to word of mouth rather than just putting somebody out. So I think in this country we do a lot of that if we can. But others, when people told me, oh, there's a really good psychologist over there, we just go on and we up, update the website and then uh, they can get the information from there. So it's quite it's got quite a lot of information on that page. So the people that you have on the page are primarily UK and US? No, I'm afraid there's no, no US. Just UK. Just the UK. So if you are in the United Kingdom and Europe air region, there is a resource for you that you can get the clinical psychologist, the therapist, and other folks that are available. On my website, I do have resources for occupational therapists and clinical psychologists here in the United States. So mm. on my website, which is sherrydaughter.com, you can find U.S. resources. Yes. And on dyslexia A to Z, and that's when I say A to Z, I'm look, looking at the number two, you can find information about people in Europe. Before we go, is there anything else that you'd like to add to the conversation? Tell us that website again. Dyslexia A, digit to Z.com. .com. Okay. And you are Maria Chivers. You are a parent and the founder of this organization over in the UK. And you've been mm -hmm. doing a lot of understanding and creating resources for not just dyslexia, dysgraphia, and dyscalculia, but you also have information yeah. on dyspraxia and developmental coordination disorder yes. and, and other related ADHD. disorders. The website is phenomenal. Just Can I just add that I have international seven books. The other six books are all for adults parents guide to dyslexia and those type of things they're all on the website as well Ali that you've got there was the last book that I wrote a couple of years ago 
So in addition to Allie Can Write, you have six books for adults as well. They're all adults for Parents' Guide to Learning Difficulties, which cover quite a lot of difficulties. And in fact, we also have the only book, I believe, still in the world that discusses alternative therapies and dyslexia, which is quite interesting because obviously we've over the many years we've used alternative therapies and we can still get quite a lot of help exams. People, if they're studying with music and studying with essential oils and things like that, they can really push that the children's grades up. Well, if you push them up one or two points, that can sometimes take you over. We need to study that far more. Interesting. And are they also available on Amazon? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Most of them are available. There's one or two that's out of print, but most of them are available. Wonderful. Thank you for being here today, Miss Maria. I have definitely learned a little bit more about you and some of the things that you're doing over there in the UK. One of these days, I'll be able to hop the pond and come and visit you and we can share some some tea together. Yes, indeed. <laughs> tea and scones. And scones, Thank yes. you very much indeed. Thank, yes, you. thank you. And remember, you were put here for such a time as this. I'm Sherry Dutter from The Writing Glitch, and you have been listening to one of the episodes here for the Emotional Kids Summit that is airing in August of 2023. Join the companion course. If you join during the month of August, there is a discount and the price will be raised at the end of the month, but you can still gather the information. Again, this has been Sherry Dowder. You have a blessed day. Thank you.